Hi, Opera Apero, how may I help you? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Opera Apero. Uh, this is your host, Sophia, and this is the show where we uh, talk about a opera plot uh, with someone who usually doesn't know anything about opera, uh, which is not the case today. But before we get into the opera today, I want to do a quick show announcement, which is to say that the next episode, the one coming out in two weeks, is going to be more of an opera 101 kind of episode. We're going to focus on how to attend the opera. And this is going to be just in general, but also, especially if it's your first time attending the opera, there's a lot of unknowns. And so I want to kind of cover all of those. Um, and, you know, with the theory being that you all have heard all these opera stories and are now itching now that opera houses are open, just itching to go out and see one in real life. I personally did go see my first opera the other week. It was really fun night. If you want to see some pictures and a little story about my night out, you can check out the show's Instagram. Um, and yeah, but so the, the next episode is going to be about just go what things to think about before your first night out at the opera house. And mostly if, if you have any questions you want covered in that episode, please write to me on social media on the Instagram account or the Twitter account. Uh, I want to make sure that I see your questions and can answer them fully so that everyone has everything that they need to know how to go to the opera and can feel confident going. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode, uh, especially now that it's relevant now that opera houses are open and we can go out and do things. <laughs> um, so please, uh, if you have any open questions or things that are kind of holding you back, hit me up. I'll try my best to answer them in the next episode, um, and let's get to the rest of the show. Today, my guest is Nellie. Hi. <laughs> um, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, and so, the first question I have for you is, how do we know each other? We know each other through our mutual friend, Christina. So, I know her from Frisbee in the States. And we got to know each other real well. She moved out here, and I wanted to come see her in Berlin. And then we went on a delightful weekend trip to Poland for a Frisbee tournament, which, if anyone doesn't know this, there is a whole culture, subculture of people that do ultimate Frisbee, which is like football slash soccer slash rugby but with frisbees. Oh, wow. You're making it sound like really cool and intense. Uh, yes. It is intense, dude. I lost my mind this weekend. <laughs> it's like all of those things, but no contact. <laughs> or it's supposed to be no contact. Uh, so, yes. It's... You literally have a bruise right now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we played a beach tournament in Poland, which is amazing. Running on the beach for three days is but it's also super fun. Nice. So my next question is, have you seen an opera or been to an opera before? Yes, I have. So in probably about 2014, uh, my family was going to Italy and we were going to go to Verona. Oh my God. And I was in charge of like finding, like what, doing what we're going to do in Verona because my parents were there for business some. And I was like, cool. So I looked up on the Airbnbs and I was like, oh, they've got a huge arena, like, like gorgeous historical amphitheater that they show operas in. I was like, guys, we're going to an opera. And they're like, okay. So I like, looked up what they were playing, found a Wait, good how night. old were you that you were like, I want to go to an opera? <laughs> Late 20s, like 26, 27? I don't know. Like, what are you going to do when you're... Oh, it was my entire... So I have three sisters. I Props to you, man. <laughs> I Like, I'd heard opera songs. Was that Carmen? It was Carmen. Okay. Yeah, it was Carmen. And this was like a... I mean, it's a gorgeous amphitheater that's like super old. And I was like, I love that they're still using it. And they're mm -hmm. not just like, hey, this is an old thing that we just look at from afar. Mm -hmm. So we all went to see that. And they can bring snacks in. It's really fun. But it is very much like amphitheater. You're sitting on a slab of rock. And none of us had quite calculated, like, how long the opera was. But, like, you had little scripts, and so you could listen to it. And, like, I had, like, listened to the albums on it. And I was like, this is cool. And so we all kind of, like, knew the gist of the story. I was like, and you're out under the open sky. 
which was amazing. Yeah. So it was really fun. It was cool to do that. It's a very satisfying it noise. It's a very satisfying noise. Enough jibber jabber. We're going to get to the meat of it now. <laughs> to the meat of it? You said you wanted big romance or power plays. Naturally. And um, I, I hope this is a big romance. It feels very, like, when I think of it, this is easily one of the most, like, romantic and, like, heartwarming things to me. Um, and so we'll talk about it. So the, the opera is called Yolanta. Um, and because so many people misunderstand me when I say this name, Yolanta, it's I-O-L-A-N-T-A. Not Yolanda. Yolanta. I don't know if the similar, if the difference is going to come through on the audio. I really <laughs> hope it is. It's a T at the end, not a D. Yolanta. Anyways. Yolanta by Tchaikovsky. <gasps> Seriously? Tchaikovsky? Yeah. Oh my god, get out. Pyotr Ilyovich Tchaikovsky. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The libretto by his brother, Modest Tchaikovsky. That's amazing. Because we... Tchaikovsky is one of my favorite composers. Oh, <laughs> this girl's got a favorite composer. <laughs> Well, she's yeah. not an opera noob. <laughs> One of my favorite songs is The Sleeping Beauty Waltz by Tchaikovsky. And over the pandemic, I was rewatched, like I got Disney Plus, because like perfect time to get it. Mm-hmm. Rewatched Sleeping Beauty. I, I didn't realize that that entire movie's, the score is Tchaikovsky's Sleeping Beauty. Like it's not original to, Yeah. I was watching it with my friend, and they're like, no, no, this whole thing, all the music is by Tchaikovsky in Disney's Sleeping Beauty, which is why the music's amazing. No, so yeah, so Tchaikovsky was my favorite, and then, um, so it's exciting when they did Yolanta. <laughs> that was a struggle. So, um, more background. Okay. Yolanta, um, is actually his last opera, um, it premiered in 1892 at the Marinsky Theater in St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, and um, if anyone hasn't caught on, it's a Russian opera. Um, one act. It's actually a really, it's it's just a one act one opera. One act. Yeah. So does that make it like an hour and a half, like a movie? Or is it like? Yeah, actually, it's like an hour and a half, two hours, yeah. How cinematic of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think. And... Um, in a callback to one of our earlier episodes, um, actually our second episode about Bluebeard's castle in that episode, I mentioned that the Met in Metropolitan Opera in New York city, um, did a double feature, um, in 2015, they did a double feature of operas, um, where they combined one light and airy opera and one dark opera about both sides of love. Um, so Bluebeard's Castle is the dark side. Uh, I recommend you check that episode out if you want to hear a just disturbing story. Um, they paired it with this opera. And so Yolanta is all about the, like, happiness and positivity of love. This is awesome. This is the light and airy. Yes, it is. So when you said big romance, I was like, I can't. There are other big romances, but they're really sad, and I don't know. I just felt like this was, like, this felt really big. Also, fun fact, the opera is, like, based off of, like, a Danish play, um, which itself is a fictionalized version of, like, a real person's life. The opera takes place in the south of France in the 15th century. We open up in a little estate kind of tucked away in the forest in the woods. Um, and in this estate lives Yolanta. And she is the daughter of King Rene. Oh, so we're like palatial estate. 
Yes. Oh, I was like, little cabin, maybe a few geese in the yard. Well, She's wearing an apron. It is very... Not, not, I need to no. up the ante no, 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 on no, my no. visuals. So, no. Don't up the ante just yet. It's not a huge palatial estate. It's very much like a... I wouldn't say small cabin in the woods, but I would still say like... Like a small palace. Okay. Okay. Let's imagine a small palace or like a large cabin. <laughs> Just like okay, small palace is still quite big. Small cabin very small. So Not I'm a small. Them to cabin. Okay, let's them say together. like a small chateau because we're in France. Can we say two large cabins put together? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Large cabin, two cabins put together. Done. I'm there. Okay, maybe extra small palace. Okay, so. Extra small palace tucked because it's just Yolanta and her maids that live here. Ugh. She is a princess after all. Yeah. Okay. Got so it. the scene opens up. She's like in her bed and her maids are coming in and w- opening up the new day and Ugh. they bring in a bunch of fresh flowers um, and they're singing to her and blah, blah, blah. The thing is, Yolanta is blind. Wow. Okay. So she's blind. Yes. She doesn't know that she's blind. Okay. So. She just assumed that she sees what everybody else sees? Her father is the king. And when he realized that she was blind, he made a decision to never let her know that she was blind. And... She he has protected her from this knowledge, so anyone who takes care of her is never allowed to reveal this knowledge to her under like penalty of death. Um and so basically she doesn't know that she's blind. And so when they like bring in the flowers, uh like everything about this is gonna be a lot about like sensory stuff, and so a lot of what she sings about in the opera is like how they smell or like how they feel when she touches them. Um, and, but even like as the maids are coming in and like singing and like open, uh, waking her up and stuff, they, they, they all do still kind of feel bad for her and will like whisper off into the side. And she like has these feelings of like, I feel like there's something that I'm missing here or there's like, I'm not sure cuz she spends her days just like in this estate just in the woods because that's the thing the reason that she's in the woods is because the king has like hidden her from the world so that she doesn't find this out. But yeah, cuz you've got to contain the amount of people around her cuz the more people you come in contact with, more people to spill beans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so all these people also like they're sworn to secrecy, like they can't reveal to anyone that she's blind um because it's not just about her not knowing that she's blind it's about the like kingdom and any of the um neighboring kingdoms knowing that she's blind and that being viewed negatively because she's supposed as a princess in this time she's supposed to be married off to someone strategic marriages alliances yes in fact she is betrothed to someone and he doesn't know. Right. Wow. And in, in, I guess, also like Sleeping Beauty, they've been <laughs> betrothed since birth, but never met. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so she's like not the happiest person. She's kind of a melancholy person where she's only like – if you think about it, she's only being taken care of by these people and she doesn't really get to meet anyone new. Um, so, but she spends a lot of time just lounging about or sleeping and stuff. Um, and so after she's like woken up for this day, um, and chatted with the maids a little bit, uh, a messenger arrives to announce that the king is going to be coming to the estate very shortly. So it announces his arrival. One of the headmaids is just like kind of clues him into everything about like, 
you know, be careful, don't tell anyone, blah, 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 blah. Um, and also, <laughs> yeah, don't mention the concepts of vision, light, or sight to this woman. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the king arrives, and when he arrives, he brings this uh, Moorish physician. So um, anyone who doesn't know, a Moor, a Moor is a Arabic person who lives in, in the, like, 15th, 14th century-ish. The Arabic people who lived in Spain um, and, and, like, the Iberian Peninsula at large. And it's actually, if you ever go to Spain and you go through, like, the south of Spain, there's a lot of um, buildings that have, like, Moorish architectural influences where you can see these, like, beautiful arches, like, built into the buildings. It's so cool. I was like, oh, my God. I almost went to Granada in January of 2021, and I didn't, and I regret it so much because then everything went to shit. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, so he brings this physician. Um, even Hakia claims that he can cure her blindness. Um, and so the king brings the, the physician to basically, um, like meet her and like, check it out, check out the situation. Um, they get there and Ibn Hakia says, well, like, you know, like I can't cure her if she doesn't know her condition and she doesn't want to change her condition. Like one, she has to know about it. And two, she wants to, she should want to have a desire to change that. Um, and at this, when the King hears this, he's like, well, absolutely not like the risk. Like if she knew, and then you did the treatment and it didn't work, that would be yeah. devastating. Um, and Minaki's like, well, like it's the only, it's the only way this is like, if you want to at least try to cure like the only way. Um, and the king is just not having it. Um, yeah. He, uh, well, yeah, because like in so many things, like the first step to fixing the problem is like agreeing that there is a problem and like agreeing what the problem is. Yeah. Which like in some like cases, like it's hard to get people to agree on what the problem is or like, you know, agreeing that you have a problem or whatever it is. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, so then they kind of like, go off and, you know, do their own thing, discuss or whatever. Cut to <laughs> we're outside in the forest of the estate. Enter two new characters, Count Robert and his best friend, um, Vaudemont. Get it. Um, so Count Robert and Vaudemont are hunting in the woods. Um, and they, as they're like, prancing about count robert is talking about he sees her and they fall in love i'm gonna guess that a lot <laughs> okay not yet <laughs> it's because i told you it was a romance isn't it well, I told you Tchaikovsky, and I'm like, come on, Tchaikovsky, this is basically saving beauty. Lady alone in the woods with other people taking care of her. She doesn't know there's a problem because Briar Rose doesn't know that she's a princess. Doesn't know about the thing. Sorry. Oh um, shit. And then she falls in love with somebody, but she doesn't realize that she's not supposed to fall in love with them. Blah blah. You're betrothed to someone else. Conflict ensues. Wow. <laughs> oh my god, is this Sleeping Beauty? Okay. We'll get to the... Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> fuck. Nelly. <laughs> so. So Count Robert and Voldemort are hunting through the forest. And Count Robert is just... They're, you know, they're having their bro time. Um, but Count Robert is like, man, I'm in love with this girl, Matilda... And I love her so much, even though I'm betrothed to this other woman who I don't even know. I've never met. Wait, Count Robert is betrothed to her, but he doesn't know it. And he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they're hunting in the woods and then they happen upon this fence and like fenced off area. And it says like, keep out. By punishment of death. <laughs> so they're like, let's definitely jump the fence and go in. And they're like, but we want to see what's 
in there. Natural move. So, <laughs> as Robert is talking about his love, like I just want to call out that the 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 name of the song is um, "Who Can Compare to My Matilda." That's nice. Yeah. And that's how he's singing. That's like what he's singing is like, who can compare to? And then he's describing her throughout the aria. And then he repeatedly. So it's like, who can compare like the eyes of my Matilda? Who can compare the hair to my And so he's like constantly making this comparison. And then they just like happen upon the estate. Little does he know. Yes. Um, so they ignore the sign um, because... They're, they're dudes and you're curious. Yeah, and they're I mean, I'd be uh, curious too. nobility. The they're just like whatever. Um, and so they're kind of just like scrounging around the grounds of the estate. Um, and Vodemont spots Yolanta like sleeping. Um, and so depending on the staging, so she could be sleeping in the garden or she could be sleeping in like her room. I saw the staging I saw, she's like sleeping in her room and he kind of like sees her from outside the cabin. Um, but it really depends on the staging. But so let's imagine that he sees, she's like taking a nap in the garden and he spots her. Um, and he falls in love. Wait, not, not the buddy, the the main dude, the count. No, not the count. The buddy, the buddy. The body falls in love with his betrothal. Oh my god! I mean, as a maiden asleep in the woods, I'm just she have golden hair, and she's like, huh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So Vaudemont sees her and is like, "Is this an angel fallen to earth?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and he is just so taken with her. He has an aria about her beauty, and Count Robert. Is just like, is she a witch? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, man who was just singing about who can compare to my love is like, what's this? <laughs> witch. Um. And so, yeah. So they're they're there, and um, at, at some point, like Yolanta wakes up because they're like two dudes, like who are in her space. And so, you know, people make noise. Um, she wakes up and she's like, well, like who's there? Yeah. And they're like, well, we, um, we got lost wandering in the woods. Um, and like Yolanta is like, well, like if you're tired, if you're weary, like I can go get some wine. Um, if it'll like energize you guys, revive you, <laughs> revive you. Um, and so, she goes and gets the, the beverages. Um, and when she returns, Robert has left because Count Robert is like, still is somewhat like, there's some sorcery here. And it is like, I'm not staying for this. I'm going to go get my troops just in case. <gasps> oh, no. One, he's like, something's weird here. I'm abandoning my friend here. Peace, dude. Second note, I'm going to go get back up. Oh, my God. So she comes back with the beverages and Vodemont has to be like, oh, yeah, like my buddy left. It's just the two of us. You know how it is at a party. (laughs) I think we're alone now. (laughs) Doesn't mean anyone around. So so Vodemont starts pouring it on real thick. Um, And he's just like, you're an angel from heaven. When she brings the wine, because they're still essentially strangers, he's like, is this wine safe to drink? Like, is yeah. it quite, you know, and again. She's still in potential witch yes. status. Folks, it's in more poetic verse, but he's basically like, is this po- like poisoned? And then he's like, it doesn't matter. It would be a gift to die by your hand. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and then he also was like, he was like, I thought that when I first saw you, I thought you were a vision, and now I realize that you're real. Um, and yeah, again, laying it on super thick. And this woman who never meets strangers, yeah, 
is just she's a, she's not used to this level of attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just like I I like the things you're saying, but I don't know who you are. If I yeah. should trust or believe you, yeah. Um, and she's kind of like she's like on the fence. Like it's all very nice, mm-hmm. and, but she's unsure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at this point, he's like, "Well, my buds left." I, I he's like, "Well, I don't want to like disturb." the peace of an angel too much. <laughs> um, and so he's like, I'm going to like depart as like a sign of good buys. Like you hand me a red rose. Um, and she like goes and picks a rose from the bush and hands it to him, but it's a white rose. And he's like, Oh no. Oh yeah. no. Oh, how lovely. But Oh no. Yeah. And then he's like, okay. I, he's like, but I, it was like, he's like, but I want to red. He's like, the red rose is what indicates to me that like this is like a positive thing and she's like she's like well if this rose if that rose didn't suit you well like i'll just go pick you another one because like yeah she actually she's like she does like the attempt she likes she likes yeah, yeah. she so she doesn't want to like upset him um like so she she goes and picks another rose and hands it to him but it's still a white rose Ooh, double um, them down on the white rose <laughs> Yes. Doesn't even know it. Yeah. Um, and he's just like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? Oh. And so what he does next is he's like, um, okay. He goes and he like picks like a few roses from the bush. And he's like, well, how many roses did I just pick? And she's like, okay, well, like hand them to me and I'll let you know. Um, and he's like, well, like it should be easy to see if like, like you should just be able to tell. And she's like, well, like, what do you mean? points to him for like double checking and being like what do you mean like let's check this thing out he's like testing her yeah but Um, also not just being like she hates me forever and leaving with that miscommunication mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah um so he's kind of like once he once she's like hand them to me and i'll let you know he realizes he's like she's blind um and he puts it all together and he's just like sitting in silent astonishment. And she's kind of like, well, like, have you left? Like, I, are you still here? Like, where did you go? And she's like freaking out a little bit. Um, and then, but he's like, no, I'm still here. And like, he is like, starts to explain the concepts of like light and vision to her and sight. And, um, like they have this very long scene where they're just singing about like vision and seeing things. Um, and I have a few quotes that I thought were very nice. Um, one. So as like someone who has like never seen anything before at one point, she goes like, is it possible? Okay. And for the listeners, I was only able to find the Russian libretto, uh, the libretto being the actual text of the opera, this, the words that are being sung, because it's all in Russian, and so I just Google translated it. So, apologies if the trans, if there's any Russian people who are like, this didn't turn out right. Um, so she says, and I think this is really cool because it emphasizes like the um, the the other senses. She's like, is it possible to see a distant rumble in the sky of thunder or the trill of a nightingale, a crystal bell sound, your voice, your words? But to know the beauty of the universe, night, I don't need light. But to become like you, I would like to know the light of the sun. I would like to see the sun, to see the bright light of day, a wonderful gift of nature, eternal, a priceless and holy gift, a priceless gift, a holy gift. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But also at the beginning of this exchange, um, the other thing, I really like the I wanted to go with the part where she like stands up for herself first, where she's like the sense other senses are still valid. Oh yeah. Um, but the other part is that like the way that she thinks of her eyes, she says like, why are eyes given to me in order to cry? Which. <sighs> I mean, come on. <sighs> it's just like a perfect opera moment too. Like what? Oh, Hitting the big romance notes. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's insane. Her whole life, she just thought that, that her her eyes <gasps> are only to function to cry. 
Um, and so they have all these like songs where he actually like through song, like explains like the beauty of seeing the world and the beauty of experiencing everything through sight. So she kind of falls for him. <laughs> Is the king and the doctor like still in the other side of the palace? Are they mm-hmm. still there? <gasps> so there's still time. So the king and the doctor walk in. <laughs> Actually, the king, the doctor, and all the maids walk in. Oh, all of them at once. Yes, and discover the You've young You've been napping outside couple. in the garden too long. <laughs> no. Um, and the king is like, who the fuck is this stranger? Like, who, who are you? Because to the king... He's like, any stranger's bad news. Like, Mm -hmm. they're going to reveal this deep, dark secret we have. um, Not just to her, but to, like, everyone. Um, And so he's, like, questioning Vodimamba who he is. And Yolanda kind of springs in and, like, reveals her new, like, self-discovery of, like, I didn't know that I didn't have this and blah, 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 blah. Um, The king, very upset. Very upset. Um, But... Ibn Hakia is steps in and is like, hello, but now there's actually a chance that she could be cured because she knows about her blindness. Um, so now that we've crossed that threshold, we can talk. N- yes. Um, and yeah, in the meantime, the maids are like talking to Vodemal and they're like, are you an idiot? Like, <laughs> did you not see the sign? Like, you're going to die. <laughs> and so the king, hearing this from mm-hmm. Ibn Hakia, is like, right. Okay. Um, he goes to Yolanda. He's like, do you want to see? And so after all this beautiful arias, yes. Well, <gasps> the way she responds, and I think she makes a very valid point. She says, this is a quote from my translated libretto. My Google translated libretto. Uh, Can I ardently desire that which I only dimly understand? But if my father wants, I will obey him humbly. Um, Yeah. Like, I mean, she just found out about the concept of sight. And so, yeah, like, I don't know. Well, yeah, it's like if somebody introduced to us that they're... I mean, like, potentially describing a sixth sense. And you're like, what? I have been denied this whole thing. I didn't know it existed. And they're like, yeah, actually, I can give it to you. And you're like, ooh. It's interesting. Like, You've only just barely begun to grasp the concept of it. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yeah. So, um, even Hakia, upon hearing this, is like, he's like, well, I'm not sure the treatment's going to work. Because, like, the two, like, things for the treatment were that, like, she knew about her blindness and that she wanted to fix it. Mm-hmm. And based off of that response, she, well, she doesn't want to be cured. So I don't think it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And at this, the king thinks for a second and he goes, okay, prepare the treatment, like start the treatment. And he says this out loud to everyone in the court, in the, in the room. <clears throat> um, and then he goes to Vaudemont and he goes and he starts yelling at him and is like, did you not see the sign? Like, what did you just like walk by the sign? Did you ignore that? And like, you know, this is all your fault. Like, and he's just yelling at him and berating him and, you know, threatening him because he's like, the sign says punishment of death. Um, and he goes, the, the physician's about to go in there and like do the treatment. Um, and he's like, if the treatment doesn't work, I'm executing you. What? Yeah. Oh my God. Um, and Yolanta is like, excuse me. <laughs> no pressure. A <laughs> lot of, lot of pressure. Um, and she was like, well, aren't you? She was like, what happened to the like gentle father? I knew. Um, and and he's like, no, it must work. Like, um, otherwise, like, he's gone. <laughs> um, and Yolanta's basically like, okay, like, I have to make this work. 
I have to. And she asks the, 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 the physician, she's like, well, like how much like pain, like what's involved in this. And, and, oh. and he is just like, well, there's like, Oh, it's a little bit, di- a little bit difficult. Um, but you know, like the most important thing to make sure it succeeds is to like really want it to succeed. Um, and she's like, okay, like all I want is oh. for Voldemort to like be safe. And so I need to make sure that this works and I need to like desire oh. this so much. Um, and so they go off into the other room to like start the treatment. Um, and while they're gone, Voldemort, who, Listen, we're in 15th century France, so it's not like there's billboards and posters everywhere of who everyone is. He does not realize that this person is the king. <gasps> and he's like, he's like, who are you to say that I could be executed? <laughs> Damn. Get it. Um, and then is also like, uh, he's like, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't really care what your position is. Like, your daughter would not be like diminished by marrying me in my, in my current position. He's just like, I want to marry your daughter. Um, cause I going to ask who is he? Mm-hmm. Cause we know his buddy's account, but yeah. Um, and, and the King is like, well, you can't marry her because she's actually betrothed to someone. Um, they've been betrothed since birth. Um, but does he say who? And Voldemort was like, he's like, well, surely I could, like, you know, fight this man and, like, win her or something. Uh, and then he's like, well, no, sorry. It's like, you know, we, we made this arrangement, blah, blah, blah. And, and then... Um, and the king, like, the, the king process. also doesn't, like, when he's like, well, who the fuck are you? The king isn't like, I'm the fucking king, bitch. He Ooh, doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as he's mentioning the betrothal, Count Robert returns with his troops. Oh, no. <gasps> oh, so actually in the opera, like, if you were to watch it, like, at a certain point earlier in that conversation, you would have been able to hear, like, the sounds of the troops, like the, um whatever the like sound associated with Count Robert is in mm-hmm. the background. Cause that's usually the way that they indicate certain things within operas. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so Count Robert appears with his troops because again, he thought the bitch was a witch. <laughs> so he brought his, he brought back up <laughs> and <laughs> I'm like, I'm so I'm like stressed about what's going to happen next, but like, I really want to know. And I'm like trying to just like not interrupt you so you can tell me. So the King is like, Oh, great timing. That's her betrothed. Yes. Uh, I was going to say this could go so many ways. It works out for the Count Matilda. So, um, Vodemont is like, Oh my God. Dude, great have, news. <laughs> he's like, dude, dude, you have to tell her. You have to tell him that you don't want to marry her. And and he says that like, but imagine if you're like telling your friend that like they need to do something, but like in front of the person, like directly in front of the person. But the, uh, I'm assuming the count knows that the person they're talking to is the king, or the the very least that he's betrothed to the daughter of the king. He knows that that's the king. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he knows that that's the king and he knows that he's betrothed to the daughter. And then his friend comes up and is like, dude, you gotta tell him. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's the awkward part. And Count Robert is like, this isn't the time, dude. Um, and, and, and and the Count's like, oh, fuck, I'm a betrothed to someone I thought was a witch. And Vodemont is like, oh my God, if you do this. You will make my heart free. You will make oh. my life. And he's like speaking so poetically. And the count's just like, fuck. And he goes, he's like, listen. He goes to the king. And he's like, yes, I know I am betrothed to your daughter. And he's like, and actually the reason I came here is because I'm here to fulfill my like marital duty to like marry her. Um, but I am in love with someone else. But I, he's like, I am perfectly like willing to mm-hmm. like be a man of my word and stick to this like contract. Um, but also have and, you met him? <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, but here's, have you met Ted door B <laughs> door number two. <laughs> Sorry. that's what it is. <laughs> And then, and then Vodemont's like, 
I would, I would take, I would take her. I want, I was like, yeah. give, give it, give me. <laughs> um, and so the king is like, you know what? All right. Um, I will cancel the marriage contract and I will let Vodemont marry Yolanta <gasps> if the treatment works. No, you don't need the treatment to work for it to be a happy marriage and he's already in love with her in her current state. Mm-hmm. <gasps> and so at this, Vodemont goes, I would happily marry her regardless of how the treatment goes, Again? regardless of whatever her condition is. <sighs> like, seeing her being around her just like... Makes my heart glow. Um, okay, I'm glad you told me this is like the light and airy opera because I was about to be like, she dies in treatment, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. So. Wait, she does? No. <laughs> <laughs> you just squeaked out a yeah. And I was I, like, oh, that's I mean, just I how I talk. I'm like, yeah, I so. guess that's still light and airy for an opera because it's all nice, nice. <laughs> and someone dies still. You gotta be opera, I got bad at it. Um. So the king hears this and is like, all right, okay. Then, like, I accept these, like, conditions. <gasps> like, bum, she is yours regardless of how this treatment goes. Um, oh, wait. Nobody tells her. No, this is all I'm happening listening. while she's, like, taking the treatment. <sighs> okay. So um, then uh, they make this out. They make this agreement. Um, and then someone rushes out of the room and is like, it's done. Um, and it's great. Um, and, <laughs> and so Yolanta and even Hake return and they announce that she's been cured. Um, oh, no. and there's this like scene where she's just like experiencing everything for the first time. And like, at first she thinks she's dying because like, it's all so much sensory overload. Yes. Um, it's gotta be like a dream, but mm-hmm. like, and then, but then she realizes that she's seeing the faces of all the people that she loves for the first time. Oh. And she's like so overjoyed. And then her and Vodemont like get together and it's very happy. And that's the end of the opera. so programmed to think like something bad happens yeah yeah i know usually i say that's the end of the opera after something terrible happens it's like really like one of the few times i get their arms yeah that's amazing and i'm just like happy ending like sleeping beauty (laughs) (laughs) which is like when you said it i'm like holy shit yes (laughs) blind beauty same thing yeah i really want to watch this now well, it's only one act opera, so you can. Perfect. <laughs> yes. I got a link for you. So, yes. yeah. excellent. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That, I love it. God thinks she's a witch. Get out of here. I'm so glad like you was, enjoyed it. I like his buddy's like, I'm staying. <laughs> cool. I'm leaving you, and I'm going to go get picked. <laughs> I'm getting chips. <laughs> Like I really want to hear and read more about how that conversation went. Like it's one thing to be like, okay, I'm gonna leave you two to talk now, and I'm gonna go to the other side of the bar. It's another to be like, no, dude, she's a witch. <laughs> like one, I don't. <laughs> she's a witch. Two, I'm gonna show up with some troops. Is he assuming his friend's gonna be dead when he gets back? If you assume his friend, your friend is gonna die, would you leave them? The way that I thought about it, when I was like, who would leave their friend? I'm like, you know when your friend is really fucked up. I was going to say drunk, yeah. And you're just like, I can't corral this person on my yes, own. Yes, I can't convince you otherwise. So I you're must, set in this. I must go get backup for your greater safety. And the risk of y- of me leaving you temporarily is less than... Like, it's better if I just go get people. I can't do this on my own. I need help. Excellent (laughs) analogy. (laughs) Yeah, because you can't convince them otherwise. You're like, no, no, whatever it is they're trying to do, want to do, whatever. You're like, ugh. I mean, that's kind of how it is. Like, these quotes are like, let's go. It seems dangerous for me to stay here. This strange dream of a beauty seems to be unnatural. (laughs) And he just keeps singing about how beautiful this, like, angel is. And he goes, he's bewitched. Yeah. Answer me. Let's run. 
And Voldemort yes. goes, do not disturb the sleep. She's like, shut up. Do not disturb the sleep of a quiet, heavenly creature. I mean, fair play. Definitely don't do that. It makes so much more sense now. You're bewitched. Let me go get more people. Mm-hmm. You're drunk. <laughs> God, come, just come on. We got to no. He says, no. Here's what he says right before he leaves. He goes, no trap. Death threatens us, dear friend. I don't want to surrender. My life is dearer than the grave. Stay here. I will fly. I will be able to find a detachment. And with him, I will come to save you. Okay. I take it back. I take it all back. That's if you're going to leave someone for a bit, like that's what you say. <laughs> Next time we're plus all drunk. Stay plus here. I will points. fly. Plus a hundred points. If you say that. <laughs> also yeah. was like, yeah, I will can- cancel my marriage contract to like step out of the way of my friend's romance. Yeah. Cause it works out for him. It works out for everyone. But I love that. Like, acceptance of the problem, acknowledge of the problem, acceptance of the problem, and, like, consent to fix it, or, like, the leading factors in how you fix it. Yeah. I, great call out, um, because how do you even fix a problem if you don't know that you have it? And... Yeah. If you don't even want to fix it. Like, you don't know it's an issue, so you can't. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we were talking about this with something else recently, where it's, like, you have to give me, like, if I don't know it's a problem, you can't ding me for it in, like, you have, a, you have to bring it up to me, tell me it's a problem, and give me an opportunity to fix it before you, like, harp on it and, like, at a later evaluation. Yeah. yeah That's yeah, a yeah. big thing in, like, military evaluations is, like, you have to have given them an opportunity to fix it. You have to tell them it's a problem, give them the chance to fix it. And if you haven't, you don't get to call them on it. Like, you either have to prove that they should have known it was an issue. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a big really? deal. So you need people who are going to uphold it mm-hmm. and admit to that. But, like, I've had people where they're like, where's the counseling? Where is the counseling that you told them this was an issue? And, like, yeah. also, side note, when was it dated? Like, did you give them a wide enough time to yeah. fix it? And also, like, in stuff, it's like, okay, one thing, you can't ding someone for, like, one problem. Unless it was, like, a big problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like this extends, this is like in the workplace, so like the military, but also corporates shit, but also in relationships too. You yeah. can't just be like, I'm upset, and they blah, 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 yeah. and then never tell them, and then be like, they did it again. <laughs> they Fuck just them. Know. <laughs> can't they see that I'm distempered? <laughs> so, what about how King Renee. He doesn't let her know that she's blind. He, it's like an extra layer of darkness and that she's blind, Mm. but she's, I mean, there's that like, you know, that like phrase of like, she's, you're in like a person is in the dark about something. So she's like, like physically like blind and in the dark and like literally in the dark about that own thing. Um, I mean, the obvious answer is, like, bad decision, because to us, it's, like, very obvious to tell someone that, like, you can't see, that's tough for you, you have to overcome that. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the same time, she's, like, it hasn't been a problem. It just has never been a problem for her. Like, yeah, it could be, obviously, super problematic not to tell her, but there's a certain extent of, like, if you grow up not knowing that... You have this deficiency. I mean, again, defining it as a deficiency, a whole other thing. But then things are just normal to you. And you're like, I'm a normal person. This is a sign. And you go about your life like that. Like, you don't grow up knowing that, like, something about you is... Yeah. Like, potentially, like, wrong. Mm -hmm. And so then, like, because that can generate a whole other sense of things. I don't know. Touchy, like, interesting subject. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, it's just like, well, she doesn't get to experience so much of the world, which, like... Oh, well, because that's a whole other layer of, like, keeping her separate. Yeah, right? Like... Right. Okay, I haven't thought about that part. There's, like, two parts to it, right? Where it's like, yes, everything you're saying is, like, true. It's like, yes, she grows up, and she has that 
I mean, she does have that certain confidence about her, like, own experience where she's just like, well, like, can you hear, like, the thunder? Can you hear, like, can you, no, she's like, can you see the thunder? Can you, like, see the trill of, like, the bird? Um, And... And she even expresses, like, hesitation about wanting to be cured because, like, how can I, like, really want this thing that I didn't ever know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I guess... And, and But then, but yeah, then there's the other side of it where it's like, well, if she had just been exposed to it, then, like... So she has, like, all this confidence about her own lived experience, which is mm-hmm. s- sick. But she also has missed out on all these other things that if she was just, like, yeah. exposed to, like, the full world... But also, if she was exposed to the full world, who knows about 15th century France? Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know if she was exposed to the whole world, she never would have met who ultimately becomes her true love and who she marries. So, but I guess, and I, so I kind of take back what I was saying because I was assuming if they told her, it would be come across as a deficiency. But you can you can tell her and also not have it be a deficiency. It's like, yep, you can't do this one thing, but that's okay. Because you can do all these other things. Because mm-hmm. we all have something that, like, we can't do. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's, like, I don't know, some people are nearsighted, farsighted, can't hear high notes, low notes, can't sing. Like, my life is totally fine and I can't sing. We, I guess we always just assume, that, like, the things that everybody can do are the things that everybody should be able to do. So then if you can't, that's an issue. But there's a really big range of things people can do. Like, play sports, sing, dance, do all this other stuff, read. I don't know. Yeah. And so we do, there's so many things that we don't treat as deficiencies if you can't do them. Right. Whereas, I guess, certain things when it comes to, like, I mean, the five senses, the, mm-hmm. like, ability stuff. But, like, at the same time, that's like, okay, we've identified, like, these as, like, if you can't do these, then, like, woof. But, like, if you look in the grand scale of things, there's a lot of things that... You know, you still live a great, big, fulfilled life, even though you can't. So one of the other things I was thinking about when you brought up, like, do, like, was it wrong to not tell her and all of that? There was, I mean, I think it came out as like a Twitter feed. Somebody talked about how when his mom read him books, she changed all the names to sound more African-American, like names and culture and references, like even like Hardy Boys and stuff to sound more like things and like people he knew in his neighborhood. So he grew up like it was just normal. All these things were normal to him. Like things were cued to like reference things he knew in general. So he didn't know that like his experience and like his lived stuff was not the norm. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a debate on Twitter was like, was this okay that she did this? Was it weird? Was it hiding something from him? But at the same time, she was raising him, some people argued, to just have his his experience in his life and everything, like, be normal. So this was in America. And it, it was a big debate. Like, is it okay that, like, A, she changed all these books and the names and all that stuff to, like, sound more like names he knew and whatnot? And it's... I remember reading it and being, like, A, just incredibly impressed that the mom was able to, like, change all that stuff. The consistency. But, like, also just, like... The, the brain power to do all of that and just be like, hey, all these things are normal. Because, mm-hmm. like, some of this stuff, like, when it comes up, when, like, you learn about stuff as an adult, you're like, wait, you don't do that? That's not normal? Am I not? Like, things you internalize is like, oh, this isn't, like, how it's done or how it is or, like, nobody is, I don't know, like, you know, whatever. And it's just a different way of looking at it and, like, learning about the world around you. And Yeah, your parents, to a certain extent create the world in which you live in and so there's always going to be a situation in which you once you actually leave that you experience the real world and are confronted with these things and you're like do i like the way that i do it or do i like the way that the world does it and you i think the challenge is to like not just accept the way that you do it immediately is to like actually try the other thing and try to be like okay how does this go for me how do i feel about this and like also not accept the first thing that comes your way is the way that the whole world does it because the whole world does it differently. I feel like it should be easy to agree that what the king did is wrong. But I feel like it's also yeah. easy to understand where oh, it yeah. all came from. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's kind of a nice opera because everything is just kind of like 
sealed shut nice. Like it's like it all like comes together really easily. Um, Thankfully, because in the end, the three of them are like, okay, yes, we can work it all out. But yeah, like even when that we were talking about the count, and I was like, that was a terrible thing he did. And then you like kind of read and explained it more, and I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. Same thing. You're like, eh, that's a pretty bad thing he did. But I understand why he did it. Still bad. <laughs> Not the count, but like the king more. But you're like, yeah. Yeah. And again, because the things he was dealing with at the time weren't great. <laughs> In like, as we like kind of talk about like generational shifts, like more recently, like looking back on people's experiences and realizing like you were doing the best you could under the circumstances. Like, yeah. Can we agree that it was kind of crap that you were deciding between these two things, but at the same time, like you're trying to do the best you could. And like, well, cause I feel like how future generations will look upon what we are doing currently. Absolutely. Like, these people had a climate crisis and, and earthquakes and we're going to fix earthquakes fascists. <laughs> and they're like, what were they doing? Making podcasts. <laughs> In cardboard forts. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. For those who don't know, I've moved, and so I don't have all my regular setups. So and I have a lot of packages. So we're in a cardboard fort. The resourcefulness <laughs> at work here, stellar. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. So, Nelly, what did you think of the opera overall? I liked it. What was... Was it big romance? Definitely. <gasps> Because you've got multiple big romances here. You've got the Count and Matilda leading in with, like, who could compare to my Matilda? There was big love there. And then also with the love at first sight and, like, following up on that. And not just assuming that, like, I love you based on what I see. Mm -hmm. And then, like, sticking with that and harping on it to the point of, like, not seeing everything else. Through my reactions to you telling me the story, I also realized that I am, like, so primed for like conflict and just things to not work out. Cause I kept expecting like, so I, I mean, God, I interrupted you multiple times. Like this is going to happen. And then that is going to happen. And well, maybe that's just like a opera goer's op- response. As an opera goer's <laughs> response. But like, even like, I mean, in movies and stories and books, you just, I mean, I, it could be also like an attention thing. I'm sure it's part of like, they talk about like story arcs and hero journey and all that stuff. But at the same time, like, is it too much that like every story, I mean, obviously there's multiple versions of it, but like you expect like conflict resolution like this Mm -hmm. and then the recovery and all that stuff. Um, and like just how, like, I was like, no, no, this is not going to work out. This is not, Oh, it worked out. They used their words and it worked. I mean, he showed up with the army, but he didn't use it. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's a great comic of a general pointing at, we call it chess candy, like all the medals and ribbons on your chest. Ooh. And he talks about like, this is for the right war at the wrong time. This is for the wrong war at the right time. And like going like, that's how he counts his ribbons. He's like, yeah. And somebody comments like they never give out a ribbon for like avoiding war altogether. So the fact that he like brings an army but doesn't use it. Amazing. Okay. Perfect. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad. Because I don't know. I think feel like it's sometimes like a little bit of a low key, low key opera. Because um, it's only the, you know, the one act. Um, but <gasps> I like it. It's like nobody dies. It's so low key. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you for the opera and the apero. Like, I feel like we've, like, denied the people a little bit. Like, we had, like, a proper apero. I'm totally butchering. Apero. Apero. Yeah, it was excellent. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed any other episodes, if you enjoy the show, if you love the sound of my voice, um, but only when I'm speaking and not when I'm singing, then please follow wherever you listen to podcasts and also share it with a friend. And... Um, it would be super great if you also followed us on social media and, um, on Instagram, it's at opera.apero and on Twitter, it's at opera.apero. And I realize a lot of people don't know how to say, um, the name of the show. So it's 
opera, and then apero, which is A-P-E-R-O. Opera, apero. <laughs> Say it. Opera, apero. Apero. Opera, apero. Well, okay, if you're doing it now with the accent, yeah, opera, apero. 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 I feel like I'm learning to speak English. <laughs> opera, apero. You haven't been in the long as Berlin's. Berlin is a very English-speaking city, but I mean, I, I, but yeah, it is. Apero. Yeah. When I looked, I was like, oh, opera, apero. Opera, apero. Well, it's apero, quoi. Qu'est-ce que tu fais là? Je parle français tout, mais c'est pas mon premier langue. C'est pas bien. Nous faisons le apéro. <laughs> so, thank you for listening, and I'll see you in two weeks. Bye. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, I mean bye. <laughs>